hot off the press, Piers. The Piers Project has teamed up with our dear friend and renowned not-for-profit organisation, Little Dreamers Australia, to produce a brand spanking new podcast. If you've ever wished there was a subject called How to Handle Your Money 101, this is it. The Money Matters podcast is here to demystify the world of money and help young carers take control of their money, one transaction at a time. Tune into the Money Matters podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or just head straight to the link in this episode's description. Now let's get into this episode. This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveler, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, lovely people, and welcome back to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. Content warning alert, you may fall in love and awe at today's guest. Today we're talking to Marla Morkin. At just 25, this London-born trailblazer is creating a new healthcare system that serves everyone, not just the privileged few. As the head of market development at healthcare technology company Selen and a qualified doctor, Marla combines the power of technology with her love of patient care to resurrect a system that has been flatlining for decades. In this episode, Marla discusses the healthcare system, the importance of persistence and how we are all capable of championing change. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, here is the formidable Marla Morgan. Marla. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, guys. It's really, really lovely. Love it. So, you know, you and I recently connected on LinkedIn. And when I looked into you and all of the amazing work that you're doing in the medicine and digital space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. That is so kind of you. I mean, it's awesome to be on this show. You've spoken with super influential, cool leaders. So I I feel humbled to to be in the presence of all of those names. So thanks so much. But uh, and, and I'm and I'm glad that we get to we get to chat um, despite the distance right now as well. <laughs> I mean, for for those listening, what, what, our time difference is ridiculous. It's 11 p.m. my end, and what is it? 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's amazing how we can make this happen. Honestly, no, but you're so, you're so kind. You're so sweet. 
Love it. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah. So I'm Marla. I am, um, I'm young still. I'm, I'm at the time of recording, I'm 25 and a half. So, um, we're still, I'm still learning loads every day, but, uh, but essentially I, um, I'm a qualified doctor and now I work more in the digital healthcare space. And this is partly due to frustration in the system. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm not the first or the last person to notice that technology is out there. We can utilize it so much better in the healthcare system. But also it's because I'm a I'm a bit of a geek at heart. And I and I realized that I, I really just miss being by a computer all day. And so a lot of my friends laugh at me. They say, you know, it's isn't it funny that you've left you know, working in, in a hospital where you're around patients every day, you're walking around and you're seeing, you're seeing change and you're talking to patients. I love talking to people, don't get me wrong, but seeing how we can geek out at computers as well is, is where my heart lies. So that's what I'm up to at the moment. I love that. And I cannot wait to dive deeper into your work and, and what you're doing now. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Oh, that's a good question. I like that. Um, so I I grew up in London, which is a super diverse, incredible town full of, you know, diversity in every angle, right? I mean, just the culture, the the atmosphere, the opportunities that are available to you is is is, is abundant. And so I think, I mean, it's just by doing that. And I was born in London. I went to school in London. I went to university in London. And now I'm back here working in London. So I did, <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a Londoner born and bred. And I think it really does shape, it really does shape who you are because it makes you crave new experiences, right? If you are a town person, you want to be on the move. You want to be doing new things. You want to be seeing how communities can collaborate and come together to make good social impact because you're seeing social injustices around you. I mean, in South Kensington, where I went to university at Imperial College London and they, in South Kensington, where it's based, you you find the neighbourhoods where the richest people will be living in incredible houses. And then you'll walk, you know, a metre down the road and, and there'll be housing estates where the funding isn't there, the, you know, and, and it sits side by side. And you think, how can, you know, the health care and the health outcomes of someone that lives here in this postcode be so be so different and so I mean I I am driven personally by healthcare inequalities I think that when you look globally you can see stark healthcare inequalities but actually if you just look as I said within you know just a small area there are so much health inequalities and why is that the case why is it that just because of you know, we're all born in the same hospitals. We're all born, you know, in the same hospital wards by the same doctors. But then the experiences that you go on to face shape, you know, w- what type of life you're going to live and the healthcare that you're going to receive, which I find incredibly interesting and also incredibly depressing at the same time. So, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's me. Mm. I find it so fascinating. You know, I think when did that kind of passion and and kind of realization of this come about for you was it in you know your early the early days of Marla you know maybe when you were still you know very young or you know when was kind of the first time you realized that there was such a stark difference and then that and then really that passion started to spark oh 
you're asking great questions here. I think, I, do you know what? I think that when you're at school, and I'm sure you'd echo this, you start getting, you learn on a very basic level, right and wrong. You learn about climate change. You learn about vaccinations. And at that point, it becomes real as, well, why doesn't everyone get this? Why do I get the choice to travel or not travel? Why do I get the choice to vaccinate or not vaccinate? But some people don't even get that choice, that privilege of a choice. And I think that as I kind of went through school, I started realizing this doesn't really sit right. And you don't understand it at the time, right? You just don't understand it. And I still don't, in many ways, understand a lot of the core concepts around these big, big social injustices that face. And it's not like our generation is just going to suddenly solve it. I mean, like these things have been going around for ages and it's just about making slow, slow movements and slow changes towards it. But I don't know. What about you? When did you start finding <laughs> that you wanted yeah. to start making differences? Did, did you realise it from school or what was oh, it for you? I think for me, I think it was quite a, it was quite far down the line. So I was very kind of one-minded and I was like, I'm going to go, you know, getting corporate and being a CEO of a company. And that was all I thought about for years, you know, and as much as I think oh, for me, I did a lot of travel when I was younger and lived in China and studied there for a little bit. And then in the UK and France. And I, so I definitely did see injustices around and I definitely did, you know, I was very, I definitely did see that, but my vision was very one-minded at the time. So I find it fascinating that for you, it almost, you know, it almost then, I guess, shaped what you ended up doing. For me, I I swapped out, you know, I opted out um, when I was already in, you know, my finance degree, et cetera. So I guess, you know, yeah. So I guess, you know, is that really what then led you to study medicine? And, and you know, what, I guess, what was your college life like, you know, with this passion that you had that had kind of been burning sitting there, then heading into, you know, Imperial College of London. It's a big degree. It's a, you know, years and years to get to where you have today. You know, what were those early days like? Oh, that's a great question. And do you know what's really interesting, right, is that that university, everything, like now compared to what I had then, it's, it's evolved so much it's changed so much and I I, I, that's a big question I think if we take a step back like what drew me into medicine right initially a lot of people have really incredible stories about how they or someone they know really close to them went through an illness and they felt really inspired by the healthcare team and and that's what led them to kind of go into healthcare and so because I didn't really have, I was very fortunate, I didn't really have something as close to me as that, that was really putting a lot of pressure on me to you know, go and do medicine. I wanted to understand what the wider world was looking like as well. So I was, I was whilst I was doing my medical degree, I was constantly in search of other things. So I was, you know, working at like entertainment startups and incredible stars with viral spoil. Then I was I was down working at Unilever for a bit. So trying the big corporate side, I went to the European Space Agency, which was in Germany for a few months. And then I um, was really fortunate to go and um, intern at the Harvard Digital Health Accelerator. And so I did like lots of different bits and pieces to kind of keep moving. But what happened was, was when I started work as a doctor, I had that moment that everyone else had. And my mum and my dad both got ill at exactly the same time, essentially. So in October last year, yeah, they're okay now, but in October last year, my mum had a heart attack and my dad needed open heart surgery. And it was pretty much in the space of a week that that news came to me. And so 
I was already working as a doctor and at that point I realized there's more that needs to be done here because how is it that I've got to this point where my parents need this amount of support and this amount of healthcare and one this wasn't picked up before the prevention mechanisms just weren't there in place but two that right now the only treatment that it looks like in front of them is we're going to fix the problem at hand and then it's your your responsibility to fix the rest of your life around it which to me feels ridiculous you know it's the same thing that you know no no parent chooses to have a uh, you know to have a child that might need some extra attention or extra help or might have a, a disability you know and no no child chooses to have a parent that becomes unwell but yet the system doesn't support the carers around it the system doesn't support the holistic element around each illness as well and so I I was like, right, I've got to go do this now because I've been like dipping my feet into different things and I've seen how technology can really shape this, but let's go do it now and let's let's be a, a man of action and go, go and go and work in a company that's actually gonna put some change in chronic conditions. And so that's mm. what I'm doing right now. So I find it so fascinating and almost like I don't know what don't know what the word is, but almost like it's like that thing where things happen all at the one time and it all suddenly makes sense serendipitous something like that um I know what you're trying to say yeah yeah. and I think that that it's fascinating how that happened to you quite not later down the track but you'd already chosen the path you were you were already studying you you know it was years and years and you were getting all these amazing internships and whatnot and opportunities and then it all kind of clicked you know that's it it's 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 clicked and that's it. No one knows when that's going to happen. And just like you were saying, you know, you, you've been going and doing different things. And someone gave me some really good advice. <laughs> and they said to me, you know, you, if you look back on everything that made you smile, like, and everything that makes you happy in moments, then you go, yeah, I was really happy at that point. You can start piecing up what actually you want that career to be because you realize all the things that have made you happy in the past you just find something that matches all of that together and actually it's a lot simpler than you think because I look back and I was like oh I really like technology and I kind of like helping patients so boom like why have I made this so complicated in my head (laughs) but weirdly I feel like we do you know we Mm. do just make I mean I did you know I for so long I was like this is not what I want to do but I'm so confused but what is it and you know you know what advice would you give to our peers out there listening who maybe you're in that complete confusion zone. They're like, what I'm doing now isn't 100% really what I want to be doing, but I have actually no idea what that is. What advice would you give? Again, a great question. I, um, and this is just, this is mine and I'd love to hear what you think, but my advice would be keep going with it. Like that confusion channel it, right? Like that is the best way that you're going to work out what you want to do. And and it, and I've never heard someone say it as, as good as you, but it's true. It will just click. And it's so right because if you keep going, you keep trying to understand, keep self-learning and trying to understand what it is you enjoy, eventually you'll come to a point where you'll be like, yep, yeah, it's here. If you sit back and wait for some miraculous moment where your dream job will appear in front of you, it's not going to happen. And along the way, you're going to have some cool experiences. Like I've been so fortunate that, 
you know, some cool opportunities have come my way in the middle of all of these things because of these things. And I've been able to do a lot of work for women in STEM and empowering women in, in the creative and STEM industries in general. And and I think that that has all come because you get given that platform. So you just never know where these things are going to go. So I would say, but what would you say? Yeah, no, I mean, you put it so well. It, it literally is. I think it is just keep stick at it, you know? And I think don't be afraid to explore would be the only other thing that I, you know, which is exactly what you've done. And really exactly what so many of us have done to kind of come to the point where we're like, wow, okay, it all makes sense now. And I think it's also that knowledge of like, it doesn't have to, you know, quote unquote, all make sense. You know, I think even if it doesn't, you know, I think it's so valuable, the experiences, as you said, like the experiences that you have along the way can lead you to places that you never even thought kind of possible or you wouldn't never have imagined you'd be in. I guess, what was one of those pivotal moments and experiences for you that you kind of thought, you know, you took a step back and you thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm here. or I can't believe this has happened. <laughs> well, like a, a great experience or a, or a bad one. Well, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, the, the big moment was when I was <laughs> in age, I think I was 23, in a photo shoot with Naomi Campbell for Vogue magazine and Nike. <laughs> and I was... I'm five foot for the people that can't see me, right? And I am not known Campbell's height. And I'm sitting next to her and I'm like, why or not? And and again, it was, you know, London, women empowering, going and doing your own thing. And if you channel and if you can do that, you get to sit next to Naomi Campbell. And I'm like, so that was one of my moments. But in in all seriousness though, like I, I genuinely felt at, at, at university, I, like I have a great group of friends, and they, we came up with this. With this, um, <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this, but they're called the pillars, right? And so you have five pillars in life, right? So bear with me on it. So you've got work, family, friends, relationships, and extracurricular activities, so like hobbies, right? And so at any point in your life, if any of those pillars aren't like don't going well for you, you you will feel unstable. So if you know you've got a bad relationship with your family and you want to be having a better relationship with them, if if you are having like troubles with your friends or maybe your friends aren't healthy for you, again, that will feel really bad for you, right? If your work isn't giving you the satisfaction, but again, work is only one pillar, right? Then that will make you feel unsettled. If your hobbies, if you're not going for runs, keeping exercise up, like reading a book, like even just watching Netflix, you're going to feel unsettled, right? And then the final one is relationships. Like if you've got some like toxic love in your life or, you know, or if, you know, there is some bad relationships going on, then that again will unsettle you. So whenever we catch up, we do the five pillars and we're like, <laughs> right, where is everyone? And and that keeps us all, um, as, as crazy as I am, but it keeps us all really in check and it makes sure that we're all making sure that every part of our life I mean, narrow down to five things, right? But making sure every part of our life is being looked after by our friends because sometimes you only catch up on the good things and you don't kind of sit there and you kind of talk out the things that you need to improve on. But it's super important. Mm, So important. How do we find our tribe? What, like our friends? Our friends, yeah. Our people. mm. (laughs) I I, like It's it's an ever-changing thing, right? You've... And what's that quote? You know, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with or whatever it is. 
that will change all the time. And like in COVID and coronavirus times, this has been a completely different you know, tribe around me than I've had ever before. But it's an, it's an incredible tribe <laughs> at that. But I think that you've just got to think about what the situation is that you're in right now and who are the people that are going to be pushing you out your comfort zone to learn more in that situation, right? What do you think? Mm, no, I think it's spot on. I think it's, I love that idea that you mentioned around like, it will change, like your people will change as you change. And I think it's almost people see, a, you know, people can see that as a negative. People can think, oh, you know, but I want to have friends for life and all that. And, and some will stay. But I think, you know, as you evolve and as, you know, just situations, I mean, as you said, we're in COVID. Who would have ever predicted this? And yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And you know, it's harder in life to say no than yes, right? And it's the same thing when it comes to relationships and friends. It's harder to end, like to, to drift yourself away from something that's unhealthy than it is to jump into something that is unhealthy. So, I mean, like having that strength in yourself to kind of take that step back and be like acknowledging, acknowledging as the first step, you know, this tribe, this group of friends, this person in my life is for whatever reason it is, isn't, un, isn't healthy for a use of my time right now, then being able to take that step back is, is a powerful thing. And actually, it's a lot harder than we, we make it sound because a lot, everyone's in WhatsApp groups now, right? You can't just leave. <laughs> <laughs> Those goddamn WhatsApp groups. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what has been a point in your life and your journey so far that you have had to really take a step back, either from a relationship, from a job, or from, you know, just a situation that you've you've found yourself in and that wasn't serving you and that was actually really, you know, becoming a detriment to your life and, and who you are? Oh, it's, it was it was working in the NHS, if I'm honest, and it kills me because I love the NHS through and through. I love the healthcare system in the UK. It is the most incredible system, you know, but but ultimately it was eating at me. Every day I was ugly tears crying, you know. I would leave the hospital and I would call my parents and I would just ugly tears cry. And I would get home and, and to my boyfriend, I would be ugly tears crying again. And my friends, everyone would just have to listen to it because I was I was giving too much every day. I was I was getting frustrated with the system. I was, you know, we were discharging patients that just shouldn't have been discharged. We weren't actually helping a lot of them because unfortunately, you know, every time a patient comes in under emergency, you can't sort out their chronic conditions at that point. You have to sort out the problem at hand and then discharge them back to the, you know, their community care. And so I was, I was like, I wouldn't want my grandma to be treated like this, but yet this is the system that I'm in that is giving me these tools. And I tried really hard when I was working to, to sort out the system. And as you know, in the time I was there before my parents got ill, I was like, you know, even putting on welfare events and I was sorting out like, you know, you know, an innovation group to try and get some, you know, some things off the ground. But it was, it was like, it was just eating at me and it wasn't working. And, and, you know, as we were saying, I, I took the step back and, and I went home and I just looked after my parents and I was like, you know what, at the end of the, and everyone was like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, you've been on the Forbes 30 under 30 list and now you're just quitting. You know, you're retiring at age 25. Is that what you're doing? And I was like, no, it's not that. It's that 
priorities change over time. And you have to recognize when something is unhealthy for yourself. And if it's eating away at you, then that's that's okay. As long as you take the step back and you say, this might not be right for me. It's it's an incredible job. And for a lot of people, it's incredible. And it gives them the fulfillment. But for me, it um, it wasn't right for me. I so appreciate you sharing that with us. You know, I think, so for our listeners out there listening or our peers, I think it was six months that you were, so you finished off your epic, you know, medical degree and that was seven years, I don't know, seven six years, years yeah. six years, a long time. And then you went out to go be a doctor because that's what you should do, right? That's the normal trajectory and path. And, and you were there for, I think, just about six months. And I think it's, it's just so that, yeah. less than that. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, it's just so powerful that you were able to step away. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the feelings you were having during that really terrible time? Like when did it start? Was it two weeks in? Was it like, when did this start? Oh, um, let's think. It's, when did it start is a hard question because I, you know, I've been doing these other things the whole time and I kind of knew I wanted to move into the technology space eventually. The, it all kind of started happening when I was on this night shift and on a night shift, you, you're running really on like a very thin service because the patients are asleep. You don't need to be doing much, just need to be making sure you're okay. And so Everyone was busy at the time and I was the only junior doctor that was looking after, well, I was the only doctor that was looking after about four wards at the time by myself of surgical patients. And so it's all okay as long as no one kicks off. If one patient kicks off, then you start needing help, right? And I remember that there was a patient that was like really unwell. And so I'd gone over and I was with the patient and I was sorting out a chest x-ray and the portable chest x-ray had just arrived. And then a nurse came over to me and said to me, you know, Doctor, this other patient um, has got feces in their urine, and I and I'm like a new doctor, and I'm like I'm not sure what to do at this point, and and at the same time, I get an like a, a, a pre emergency bleep essentially telling me that there's a patient on the next ward that is deteriorating and needs an urgent review, and so I called for senior help as anyone would do in this situation, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with three unwell patients right now. And, you know, and, and a bit of a complication that I don't really know how to, how to do because I'm like a couple of weeks into my, into my time as a doctor. And the response I got was, I can't come, I'm tied up. And so I remember putting down the phone and I remember it really vividly. I put down the phone and I was like, well, I'm doing this by myself then. And I just thought, I can imagine, right, that like, this is this is how it was. And so I just, I like, I, I was just standing there and I was in shock and all these nurses just looked at me, right? And they said to me, doctor, what are we doing? And I was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing, right? So then I then I ended up calling my, you know, a, a more senior person to the person that I'd called. And, and obviously they came down and sorted everything, you know, this, this, this. It was like an easy thing for them and it was just done, but... The fact that you're in that high pressure situation at these times without the without the people around you to be able to support you, without the system in place that will be able to capture unwell patients at an earlier rate, you know, like everything about the situation was just um was just unfair. And it started such showing that it's not just me, right? This is the experience of doctors of healthcare professionals worldwide. And I'm actually I was probably in a privileged position compared to what a lot of people have to experience, but but the story started showing me that actually 
what are you going to do about this? Because you can't just sit there and complain that you weren't supported, right? And and the patients were okay in the end because obviously we got the support and that's what always happens. It's always okay in the end, right? <laughs> Until it's not okay. But I, I, I just, I started realizing that I had this, you know, that little niggling instinct in me that you're like, I just need to go do something about this. I need to go fix it. And I need to go make some change. But there's too much to be done. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's, I think it's, yeah, it's amazing how it just, how it just affected you to that level. And then you thought, I've got to do something. You know, I think so many of our peers out there listening might be thinking, probably not a similar experience, but, you know, (laughs) an experience where they've seen an injustice or they've seen something that they know isn't right to their core and it's kind of hit them. But then they just continue on. You know, they, they just think, oh, well, well, who am I to, to go and go out there and solve that? It's such a big problem. You know, who am I? I? I'm just 25 or I'm 30 or I'm 20. You know, why you? And where do you think that confidence or that whatever that is comes from for you? Oh, you're so good at these questions. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, such a good question. I, um, I think because it keeps working, right? that let's say you apply to something right and you put yourself out there and you apply to 100 things maybe you get 10 responses and of that one of them fruits and you might be like super disappointed because nothing ever happens right but every so often you will persist and you will work really hard and I am sure you can echo this and something pays off that makes change and not just like on surface change but like change change and changes someone's mindset so that they go off and behave differently or, you know, improves patient care so that, you know, something can be done in a slightly better way. And if at every step of the way you are putting your 100% into every small thing that is happening, at the end of it, you'll be creating something really, really big and good. And, you know, you look back and then you think all those small steps have got me here, right? And I think that what has most faced me to keep going has been the fact that, Every time I try and I put my all into it, even if it doesn't work, you can see that you're making impact. And I just like, I just think that that if everyone, if everyone did it, I mean, the world would be incredible, right? But like, but, and everyone has the capacity to do it, but not everyone has the, the the right people, the tribe you were talking about around them, picking them up when things don't go okay and be like, keep going. Your mission will be heard. Your voice will be heard and you are on the right path. And if you can find those people that can pick you up, dust you off, push you back out, that's the people you need around you. And I remember calling my, I remember calling one of my really good friends after I'd had like a really big rejection. And I was like, oh, I can't believe it. I didn't get this. And I was so upset. And I was like, I put my all into it. It's been like the last month and this didn't happen. And she was like, yeah, and it's you, you know, just carry on, you know, what, like, what, give it a week and then you find something. And it's true, you know, you just need someone that's your friend to kind of be like, and it doesn't define you. It's something external. You're defined by yourself, right? And if you can't be your own biggest champion here, then no one else will be. That's so well said. Amazing. So I guess I want to talk now about the transition out of the hospital. And, and out from being a doctor, I mean, you're still a doctor, but, you know, mm-hmm. out of that world into the new space. So, you know, when I was reading up, I saw that it was a pretty quick transition. You know, it was... Um, starting as of early this year, you jumped on a whole bunch of boards and you're on advisory boards and, you know, you, you headed to a company called Selen. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, quickly progressed there in the last couple of months. And now you're the head of market development at this, at this company. Talk to us about that transition now. And also, I guess, maybe the fear that came with it. You know, you said that so many people around you were like, what are you going to do now if you're not a doctor? Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that. Well, that's that, right? And that's it. I went to the drawing boards and I was like, okay, cool. My parents are better. Like they do, they, I monitor them on, you know, those um, apps where you can monitor like how much you walk every day. And so I watch my parents on Strava every day and I check (laughs) that they're doing their 5k walks now. So, So this is, this is, you know, and I was like, they don't need me anymore. So I moved back out. And, um, so I was living at home for a couple of months whilst they were getting better. And then I thought, you know, okay, right, regroup, what do I want to do? And so if I'm honest with you, right, the the initial plan was I was going to skill up. And this was my big dream, right? I was going to skill up. I was going to do a PhD in artificial intelligence and healthcare. And that was like the most incredible thing. I got an offer from University College London, UCL, and it was fully funded. And I was going to go traveling until it started in September. So this was, you know, all cards on the table. This was the plan. And then COVID hit and everything changed overnight because suddenly it's, is it the right idea to go and start a PhD during this time? Is it the right idea to be, well, you can't be traveling, so that didn't happen, you know? And is it is it the right idea to be putting yourself in artificial intelligence and healthcare, right? This is the field that's being used right now to solve COVID. So if I start a PhD now, will everything kind of be, you know, where will it be in four years time? Am I, am I walking down a path that I'm going to regret because everything's going to move a lot faster than I think, right? Is academia the right thing for me? And so I had a whole bunch of thoughts and, and I started just branching out to my networks and I was like, you know, what's, what's happening? What are people doing right now? And, and Selen was really interesting because it's something I absolutely never thought of going into. But they, uh, you know, someone said to me, you know, I've just invested in this company. You must go have a chat with them. <laughs> and I, and um, so I went and had a chat with them. And um, it's a small team. It's a team of four of us. And so it's super early stage startup. And they, Eric and Ben are like the most incredible people. They um, set up this company in 2019 when they started realizing that the law had changed in the UK for medical cannabis access and that patients can be prescribed medical cannabis, but the access wasn't happening and it was all pretty much on the private market. And actually only four patients in the UK to date have had it covered by the NHS, according to you know this, the recent statistics. So why is this happening and why aren't patients getting it? And it was all kind of weaved in. So Ben is a doctor in London. He's a consultant doctor there. And Eric is, um, you know, ex-financial. He understands the business world really, really well, right? And the two of them got together and was like, how can we do this better for patients? And, and they started building around concepts of, you know, what is it that will be the future of, of chronic pain care, of chronic health care? And not just cannabis, but like in general, what is the technology that's going to be there to support the patients? And and so the other guy that we've got on the team, Arno, is, is also incredible. He is like ex-Amazon, ex-Peak, ex-Babylon. You know, He's done like everything. And and he's working on building up all of our, all of our tech um, process and stuff. But but essentially, it's, it's now being in a role where it's so different in startups you know what it's like right it's so different and you can sit there and you can you can make impact you can you can pivot you can change you can adapt and when COVID happened and you know chronic pain services completely pretty much stopped in the UK because it wasn't deemed an essential service 
we were able to redesign what the service of the future is going to look like. And that is so exciting. You know, it's really cool to be on that side of it. So I'm super enjoying it. And um, yeah, like if you're in the UK, you've got to come down and, <laughs> and come and meet the Well, team. I was there last year. We just missed each other. <laughs> I know, um, I'll gosh. be back. I'll be back. I love that. And I love how you've been able to now experience startup land. And I think so many of us, it's scary, you know, for those of us who are starting a company or for those of us who are joining, even in the early days, like your fourth hire or, you know, exactly how you put it, it does just give you the ability to actually make an impact and make a change, mm-hmm. you know, to our peers out there listening who perhaps they've always gone down that traditional route, you know, maybe they've they're a doctor like yourself, or maybe they're in finance, or maybe they're an engineer, you know, but they're maybe they're feeling a similar vibe to you where it's like, I'm, I want to make a difference, but I just can't in this traditional space. I guess, firstly, what advice would you give to them around that? And then I guess what challenges should they expect to see if they decide to go out and start a company or go out into startup land? They're going to see a lot of challenges, right? It's And it's different challenges to what you normally get. This is not a nine till five thing. And I'm sure every one of your, every one of your guests has told you that, right? You know, when you're committing to growing a business that becomes pretty much your life, right? And so you've got to be committed to the mission. It doesn't matter what the you know what the company does all the you know the projections of the financials or who's invested and like you know all that fluffy stuff if you as a person are leaving because you want to do something more impactful you need to agree with the mission of the company at like at the core of it and you need to know that the team is is also committed to the mission of the company and that you just get on with them right because they become like yeah family so that would be my biggest advice would just be make sure you're aligned with the mission of whatever you're doing. How do we get aligned? You work out what your mission is first. So like, like what would you say your personal mission is? To empower and inspire people to chase their dreams. Boom. Right. Mm. And then what would you say your company's mission is? My company's mission is to produce podcasts that (laughs) (laughs) sounds so (laughs) it's to produce podcasts that change the way society thinks and so it's aligned right Mm, very much so yeah and so like the same thing happens for me it's like my personal mission is to help reduce healthcare inequalities and um hopefully inspire and engage more females and you know a diverse group of people to get into healthcare technology and the technology space in general and so that's I mean, like the bucket of of what I enjoy doing, and and my and and at Salon, they, you know, we are very committed to empowering patients to be able to improve their chronic their chronic care and you know treatments for chronic conditions, and even scrapping the word patients if you can, right? You know, and just, yeah. you know empowering people. people to do that, yeah. and um, and then I get to also I, I host a, the Royal Society of Medicine's Digital Health podcast as well, so on that I can talk and. They can engage more people and I just like you've just got to align what you're doing every day with what you are passionate about because you know people say go and find your passion and then go and do it it's so difficult to do but if you just think right what is your thing then you can go and find as many opportunities that align to that oh 100% and I actually can see that as being like the quote of the episode <laughs> because it's just what we're all about and I think it's just so true you know it's not about 
this passion, this objective thing called a passion. It's just literally looking within and actually getting clear on that first and then finding people, companies, organizations that align with you. I love that. Oh, Marla, you and I could talk for days. As we start to wrap up, there are a couple more questions I've got for you. And the first one is, what has been, I guess, we've kind of touched on this, but what has been the, one of your greatest failures personally to date? My personal failure was probably, I truly believe that I was, I was really naive as to what it means to be a good friend, to be a good, you know, a, to love properly, essentially. And I think that when I been when I was growing up, when I was you know in my in my early twenties a few years ago, I still think that I hadn't really learned how to how to find ways that you can make other people you know bring bring them along on your journey as well. And I and I think that one of my biggest failures at the time was not you know not showing other people the same love and respect that they deserve because I just didn't really. I was just naive. I just didn't really know how. And I think that I've spent a lot of time, you know, as we were saying, like working out like what it means to be a good person, what it means to be a good friend, what it means to be a good daughter, a good sister, a good, you know, girlfriend. Like what does it mean to be all of these different things? And I, and where does that sit in relation to work? And so I think like really, really early on, especially when my parents got ill, I had to realize, right, like where does my ambitions and my achievements and all of these things, where does that sit? And compared to if my friend calls me at 2am and they need me and always, always now my friend at 2am needing me will come 100% first. If my family need me, I'll drop everything for it. But I think my, one of my biggest failures was maybe not realizing all of these things early enough and realizing the importance of, and I'll put it simply, of just checking in, of of not being complacent and not being waiting for your friends to tell you when things are wrong, but actually sitting there and, and making the actual effort, if you love someone, if you care for someone, to go and check in on them. Oh, so powerful and so true. So look, Marla, over the last few years, you know, you've gone from strength to strength. You've received You've done some amazing things and you've received a lot of recognition for your work, for your research. You know, in 2018, you were featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. And, you know, as you mentioned, you were also the Vogue UK 10 Rising Female Stars. Last year, you were you were a finalist at the Women of the Future UK Awards. Absolutely phenomenal. You know, what are the three key pieces of advice that you'd give yourself, that you give to our peers or you give yourself when you were just starting out? Go and fail. Mm. Um, and like that, I don't even think there's three. I think there's just one. It's just go and fail. Like, I have failed so many times, like countless times. I've ugly tid in the most inappropriate places, like, you know, behind train stations. And like, you know, when you just, you know, when you just get a signal and you see a rejection letter and you're like, oh no. <laughs> and then you're, you're like caught in the most uncomfortable situation and you're just ugly crying. So, and I think that that is the best thing because if you become completely immune to failure, and of course that's not going to happen because there'll always be things that you're scared about. But if you can become immune to it and be like, ah, it's fine then you will put yourself out there and out there and out there and imposter syndrome and all of those things will kind of just go out the window because you'll be like well if I managed to get here then I kind of managed to get here because I've tried quite a few things and um and I and I and I just think go and fail and we um 
with some of the creative pieces of work that I've been doing with the advisory boards that you're talking about, we've been looking at how you empower the next generation, right, to to think creatively and be bold with what they're doing and their ideas and be, you know, be resilient around their ideas and not give up on them. And one of the things that we're, you know, we're trying to champion is having failing days, you know, like having days where you just all get together and you just come up with rubbish ideas, but you fail together and and nothing ever comes of it and you don't mind, but you just let the creativity flow and you just try your hardest. And, and, and if something great comes out, great, you've made a success out of a failure day, right? But like, we just shouldn't be scared of that word. And it just should be, should be something a lot more used. Mm. So let's all go fail. Yes, I'm joining that. (laughs) Love it. So so look, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Mala, for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing for showing us, you know, particularly us women, even younger women, that we can go out there and fail and still somewhat make it, you know, and I think just your passion, your energy is so amazing. And we really appreciate you for that. Oh, stop that. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> so you don't want the ugly tears, I'm telling you. <laughs> no ugly tears. <laughs> but that is, that is really it. kind of you. I'm very humbled. And thank, thank you for having me on, honestly. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. Of course. So our final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is... What is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Oh, I was hoping we'd get around this question. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I've been thinking about this, right? What is what is the value of pursuing what I'm most passionate about? In the end of the day, there isn't, right? In my opinion, that there, there probably isn't much value in, in doing anything in life, right? That if, if everything starts with pretty much a zero value, what is important is that I don't, like, I don't know. I don't actually don't think, right? If fundamentally, we're, uh, I mean, you, go, you don't go put me into an existential crisis here, right? But we're, <laughs> we're fundamentally, we're, what matters? And what do you mean to be passionate about something? In answer to your question, I think that there's a couple of things, right? What is it you're passionate about? And I, and I take it back to that pillar model, right? Where do you put value and where do you put your passion? And I think that you must be careful that we sometimes put too much onus on the work pillar. It is just one pillar, right? And so value in pursuing our passions can lie in being a being a mum, being a stay-at-home mum, you know, being being really passionate about, you know, maybe, you know, just doing badminton or, you know, just doing, you know, volleyball or but, but not actually caring about maybe that's on your side hustle, maybe that maybe you're an Olympic athlete, right? That's really cool as well. But where where that passion lies is really dependent and you must find your passion in every single aspect of your life. The value problems come when we put all of that in one pillar and we don't appreciate our passions and every other side of it. And so I, um, I'm confident that if you, if you find everything you're passionate about and you pursue it in all of your avenues, you'll find the value. If you put it in one pillar and you just kind of go with that, the value isn't much because what is your output? Are you making yourself a fulfilling life? What is the what is the point of it? Whose life are you improving by just focusing on one aspect of your life? I don't know. And and that's kind of where I sit on it. Mm. Oh, I love it. 
Ah, Marla, thank you so much. We have had a blast. And where can people learn more about you and your work? Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to talk to anyone. And um, yeah, I'm also, yeah, I'm just happy to connect on Twitter or wherever anyone wants to come to. Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thanks so much again, Marla. This has been awesome. And for all our peers out there listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.